Welcome back to Pursuing Justice. I'm Harriet Handel on Society Bites Radio. Today, we have two guests that we met the last time from Portland, Oregon. They have agreed to come back and talk to us some more. They are both part of the Pathfinder Network in Portland, Oregon. Leticia, um, Leticia Navarro, Longorio Navarro, and Victor Trillo, um, they have been part of the, the Pathfinder Network for a while. Leticia is the director, executive director. She had been a parole officer. And Victor um, spent time in prison and was released about a year and a half ago. He started out his time at 19 and was released at age 41. Um, I wanted just to say just a little bit about the organization because I never heard of it before and I'm sure there are people listening who haven't heard from it about it. Um, this network provides justice system impacting, impacted individuals and families the tools and support they need to thrive. They offer many different kinds of programs, which we will get into today, and services for incarcerated individuals through the Oregon Department of Correction for parents, children, and families. And one of their core beliefs is that all people have the capacity to change. Their mission is to give people a second chance. This nonprofit began in 1993. So what I'd like to do is um, pick up with Victor. Um, we were talking about a very special and unique club that he leads for high school kids. And I want you to tell us um, a little bit about what that club is for and who, what kind of students does it attract? And then we can, I wanted to ask you other questions about the club. So tell us about this special club. So, yeah, um, you know, I, I lead the Pathfinder Club. You know, the PATH stands for Paving the Trail of Hope. Um, and what it is designed for is for those youth that have been affected by incarceration, deportation, or detention. And I think it's important if I um, elaborate on the affected aspect of it. Yes. You know, you know as myself, my dad was incarcerated in and out of my childhood, you know, and that, that, that devastated me as I was sharing earlier, you know, with low self-esteem, with a feeling of worthlessness. I felt that it was my fault that my father was incarcerated and didn't want to be with me. And when we look at the terms of affection, being affected rather uh, with the youth that we serve here in Park Rose, um, you know, it's, it's, it's along the spectrum of like, you know, has your family just been locked up for one day, for two days? Is, has your dad just been incarcerated just for one day or two days or for 15 years or for 10 years? Or, or you don't know your father because, you know, he's been incarcerated all your life. Or, you know, has a family member been pulled over and, you know, has a, um, a bad pers uh, perspective, a bad experience with the, uh, with the police department? Or, you know, as your family, you know, fear, fear deportation. Is there somebody who you're living with now that, you know, that at any moment that they can get deport, deported? Um, so that's what the effects look like for us. You know, you know, we're not setting the standard where you have to have been um, incarcerated for um, a, a certain amount of years, you know, um, you know, 
you didn't have to be deported, but you could be facing deportation because, you know, you know, your paperwork might have expired. There's many of a lot of different forms. And we're just there to provide a space where, you know, you could feel accepted and feel belonged and express yourself how you feel about it. Is there would you say there's shame connected to having a parent either incarcerated or, as you say, deported? Uh Speaking for myself from experience, yeah, there, there, there's definitely shame. I remember as a young youth growing up that, you know, I, I didn't want to talk about my dad being locked up because the times I did, people would make fun of me. Um, and this would be adults. And I would hear from adults, you know, uh, teachers, uh, you know, you're just going to be just like your dad. You know, mm -hmm. some of the uh, teachers even knew my dad. You're going to be just like your dad. You're going to end up in prison. And so definitely, you know, there is a shame. There's a stigma attached to that. Yeah. And um, I, I'm, I'm quite sure in hearing from the youth that we work with at Park Rose, you know, there's shame attached there as well. Yeah. Is this club um, the only one of its kind in, in the country? And how long has a club like this um, at Park Rose High School been in operation? Yeah. So, no, we started operating here at Park Rose. Again, this this idea has been in in um, um, in thought and heart for years in development through the TCA and the, and the Pathfinder Network. Um, however, we launched officially uh, May 5th of this year, 2022, oh. with our first club section. And I'm aware that there is um, uh, different clubs throughout the state, throughout the nation that, you know, offer similarities. However, you know, um, our club is unique in the sense where I don't, I know of no club that has facilitators or staff members doing it with lived experience who have actually experienced the deportation aspect, the detention and or the incarceration that I don't know. I know of no club that actually shares um, and does the prompts or the focus for the day, rather be writing or art with the youth. Um, I know of no club who actually cooks <laughs> the food and makes gourmet meals to provide it for the youth. I know of no club who do who offers outing and events as incentives uh, and further bonding with club members outside of club. I know of no club who offers a summer school program. Fantastic. All those things. That's wonderful. So needed. Um, I, I think I'd like to see one of those clubs in every high school in the country because I'm sure there are kids who are experiencing this and, and there's no outlet for them right i agree so much yeah. so leticia let's let's bring you back in um can you expand uh, on the many many services that pathfinder network offers to families i was looking at the list and i i just um can't believe how many things that you offer to people and they can I'm sure pick and choose uh, parenting classes, early childhood, home visits, re-entry support, which we know is critical, youth mentoring, free family activities like trips and movies. Um, it's just the list just keeps going. So tell us about those um, those many offerings and how many people have really taken advantage of what you have to give? Yeah, great question. So I think the the network part of our name is really what we're trying to create a network of 
programs and support and services mm -hmm. that really serve to counteract the extreme number of barriers that people are experiencing um, when they're involved with or impacted by the criminal justice system and other systems. So we really try to take a holistic um, view on the ways that we support people. And I think we also try to attach support and programming to the different parts that people are um, inter intersecting with the criminal justice system. So whether it be before um, arrest and some prevention efforts or after arrest as people are kind of facing the outcome of their um, charges. Once they're in prison, we have programs. When people are preparing for release, we have programs and services. When people are releasing, we have programs in the community to support them. And then we have programs for people um, who are connected to loved ones that are either in prison or releasing or at any part of the criminal justice system. So we really just like to be everywhere that families and individuals that are affected or impacted by the criminal justice system are because we know how significant the barriers are for people and we want them to have support at every um, every possible area. So we have a number of different programs in the Oregon Department of Corrections. So in the prison systems, we provide uh, different cognitive behavioral programming that really focuses on you know, how we think about things and how we manage our emotions in difficult situations and how we problem solve and plan for the future. Uh, so we have a number of different programs like that. We also facilitate parenting programs in the prisons. So part of it is just about learning how to be a parent, but also this extra layer of learning how to be a parent who's incarcerated and what it's gonna look like to parent after incarceration. We also have, um, a enhanced visiting program in the prisons to try to increase the amount of just contact that parents have with their children because we know that's an important protective factor. It also decreases the likelihood that people will come out into the community and in re-engaging criminal activity that will keep them involved in the criminal justice system. So we have a whole kind of suite of programs that people are able to access when they are in prison. We also have a number of community programs for people who are on parole or probation or are just re-entering um, the society from re-entering society from prison. So uh, we have a center in Portland, Oregon um, named the Center for Family Success. And, and that's just a wraparound suite of programs as well. So we work with all ages of the family. So like you mentioned, we have an early childhood home visiting program for parents who have kids that are zero to six years old. So the focus really is on helping families to get their needs met, helping them learn parenting skills and navigating the challenges and barriers. We also have our youth mentoring program that Victor mentioned, Mentoring Inside Out, which is a, a, a mentoring program for youth seven to 18 that have parents that are involved in the criminal justice system. We also have the Pathfinder Club, which we've been talking a lot about, which is a special program that we've added recently. And then we have um, family advocates who walk alongside parents as they're completing either parenting classes or trauma coping skills classes um, to really help focus on the things that they need to engage in safe, healthy, and successful parenting. And then we also have at the center some parent mentors who work with parents that are involved in both the criminal justice system and the child welfare system. So we're kind of navigating both systems at the same time. 
And those staff are all people who have that lived experience. So they themselves have navigated those systems. Um, so that is a really important part of our work of really keeping families connected because we know when one person is incarcerated, the whole family experienced the effects of that incarceration. And then we also have uh, peer support programs across the state that really, focusing on, really focus on supporting people as they navigate both reentry and parole and probation, helping to develop plans and really walking alongside them as they navigate what they're trying to accomplish and really finishing supervision successfully and becoming you know, members of the community that both feel safe and are contributing in positive ways. So we just have a ton of different programs that I'm really proud of that try to address the many needs that folks have when they're impacted by the criminal justice system. Now, I, I have my own um, personal experience with the prison system in that I taught in a maximum security prison for men. But I also, after finished uh, finishing teaching, I would visit uh, the men when I no longer taught. And I've, I've visited some women in women's prisons, uh, you know, men's prisons. And I, I always have the feeling that um, the, the prison system is not all that interested in doing a better job, particularly with families and particularly uh, when I've been to women's prisons where I see the, the little ones come in and visit their parents. How do you... How do you change the minds um, of the people who work in the prisons to encourage rather than discourage mm. that, that family connection, which is so vital? And what we know is the more the uh, person in prison is involved with his or her family, uh, the amount of violence goes down, that they are so motivated to be able to visit or have a visit. So how do you change the minds of those who are part of the Department of Corrections? Yeah, that's such an important question. I'm really glad that you asked it. And I think it takes um, a lot of different approaches and strategies and a lot more um, that we haven't even identified yet. But one important piece I think is really just being present and the source of education and information and building relationships with staff there who, um, let's just face it, prison systems, prison environments are adverse to everyone. Yeah. So it's not just adverse to the people that are being housed there or incarcerated, but it is to the staff as well. So I think um, approaching those relationships with empathy and understanding of their experiences and trying to really lift up um, information, um, stories that really, I think, lift up the humanity that exists, the strengths, the, the people um, that reside there, the successes that they have, um, and, and just really keeping that front and center, I think is important. One of the things that we've done as a part of our PIO Phase 2 Enhanced Visiting Program is we have um, worked with the Department of Corrections to provide trauma-informed emotional intelligence training for the staff that are in the visiting rooms. So as we're facilitating these enhanced visits, we're working with staff who've had this training so they can understand you know, why people come to prison, trauma and how it impacts people, um, what are the strategies that we can do to help people 
um, cope with that and how we can create environments that help people get their needs met so that they don't have to engage in behaviors, negative behaviors to get their needs met or, met or get attention. So I think information training is really important. I think just continuing to show up and do the programs mm -hmm. so that people can see the successes, they can see the mom that completes PIO and starts having more visits with their children and their behavior shifts and changes. And they see her go on and get her GED and get a great job and start attending colleges. Those successes, I think, are hard to argue against. Um, and when you see more of those things happening and maybe less of some of the things that you know, um, put a thorn in their side in their day-to-day -day job duties, I think that also starts to shift things. I also think that we have to be advocates every opportunity when we're asked to provide input or given opportunities to provide input about the conditions of the prison environment, um, the programs that might be available, opportunities to bring in volunteers and to collaborate, mm -hmm. provide systems of support, um, and kind of continuity even outside of the prison. So just kind of being present, taking up every opportunity to lift up what we know to be true about the people who are incarcerated and their families. Um, and I, I think, um, you know, those visiting room staff in particular get um, a unique vantage point that they get to see the mother mm -hmm. or the father or the parent or the daughter or the brother or the sister or the loved one outside of the context of, of how they normally are operating and the masks that they wear in the regular prison environment. So I think um, programs that keep people coming into the institution and keeping yeah. connected to family members, I think those also change the hearts and minds of um, both the people that are working in the, in the prisons, but also the larger system. And, and what I know is that the more... Um, so they need support, I guess. They need support to make shifts and they need support to um, identify different strategies and programs and different ways of doing business. So I believe just maintaining strong relationships with the criminal justice system as you know, providers and um, being there to support and think of new ways and to push and to push back and to challenge is one of the ways that the Pathfinder Network has showed up to help the system shift is um, really, yeah, to be a partner um, inside and outside and to really push the work forward in every way that we know how to by centering the people that are impacted by the system, their voices, co-creating with them, creating opportunities for them to lead um, has just been really crucial to our work and I think our success. Yeah, that sounds great. The more the more programs that offer support to me, um, the better it is all Absolutely. the way around. And and I want to go back now to the the club, the Pathfinder Club, and and if you could tell us, um, you you mentioned a few things, a few activities that you do. Um, tell us if you can maybe what a typical club meeting looks like. Yeah. Um, I have been so fortunate to be able to attend most of the club sessions since we've launched, and they are transformational, not just for the youth, but for us, um, sometimes probably more for us, because the things that we get to witness are just incredible. Um, Vic talked about um, food as a connector mm -hmm. and foundation of building community, so our 
Family Support Coordinator Kristen spends pretty much all day Thursday, which is the day we have club, cooking. And I think food, uh, walking into club and smelling the food that you requested for her to make last week is really important. So they come in, they get food. Um, Vic usually turns some music on. So I have an opportunity to just kind of like transition from what they were doing before they came to club, connect with their friends, you know, give Vic a dap, high five. <laughs> hey, how's it going? How was your day? So they just get to like orient to the space. Um, and then we usually start with just announcements, club business. So Vic may have um, an announcement about what we're going to do in a few weeks or um, an exciting update from the school. And then the youth sometimes have things that they want to lift up for the group as well. We usually do a mindfulness activity. And that's really just to kind of get their nervous systems um, grounded and centered so that they can fully engage. It's usually, you know, one to two minutes max to just really get them um, doing a deep breathing exercise or a visualization or some kind of grounding exercise. And then um, we do gratefuls and shout outs after mindfulness, which is just an opportunity for them to show appreciation to each other or themselves or members of the team. Um, always just trying to lift up strength and resilience in the ways that people are coping and surviving through their experiences. And then the rest of the club is really about our focus for the day. So every club, we have a different focus. And Vic lifted up the four different focuses for the Pathfinder Club, mindfulness, community building, writing, and art. Mm. So all different forms of expression that are really meant to counter the really adverse impact of shame and stigma and the silence that oftentimes people that are impacted by the criminal justice system live in. Um, so it's about talking, processing, writing it out, painting it out, arting it out in some way. Um, and then they have an opportunity to share whatever it is that they created, which I'll tell you is one of the most powerful parts. Um, the, the poem that Vic uh, read on the previous episode that we had with you is just one example of what's generated. Um, and then after folks have had an opportunity to share, we'll either close out with another mindfulness um, exercise just to get them grounded again so that they can go out into the world or um, any closing comments from the, the youth. Uh, then we talk about what we're going to eat next time and we kind of close out. And what's incredible is um, they always stay and we kind of have to um, encourage them to start wrapping things up because we only have a certain amount of time um, in terms of the space. Uh, so that, that's what a typical day mm -hmm. at club looks like. And I would say we really try to be flexible and responsive. So if, if they get really into one activity, we don't rush them through it. We might just adjust our schedule so that they can have some time to really sit with whatever is resonating with them. So they really drive the club and um, they'll also be leaders of the club. So what one thing we're getting ready to do is elect leadership for the club. So they'll have official roles within the club to help think about what the agenda is, what kind of activities we want to do, um, any important issues that they might want to advocate on. So we're really trying to build the leaders of um, tomorrow and really support their growth and empowerment as well. All right. We, we have very little time left. And uh, Victor, I had wanted to ask you 
that you have turned your life around and other than what you've done for yourself in motivating yourself, who gets the credit for the big change in your life? You know, um, for so long, you know, I had self, uh, um, self-esteem issues, you know, feeling worthless, not feeling good enough. And, you know, I get the credit. I get the credit, man. I, 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 I immerse myself in um, rehabilitation. I immerse myself in self-help groups. I learned coping skills. I've identified, you know, my causative factors, you know, on what motivated me and what uh, dri- drove me to commit crimes and to hurt other people. And, you know, I get the credit, you know, I've taken responsibility for my actions and I'm so grateful to be here after 21 years of serving in prison and glory to God. One last one. (laughs) That's wonderful. Um, I I thank you both that your organization just um, has such a wide reach and that that is so impressive. Um, So many people are benefit uh, beneficiaries i should say of the gifts that you offer so thank you very very much for spending the time today with me because i know your schedules are pretty packed and i hope our listeners um gained a lot from hearing you talk i love to see other states do as much as you're doing in in oregon thank you again for being here and thanks for listening and next time Um, I'm hoping we have two people from the Pennsylvania Parole Board, and one of them did some time, and she's on the board, so I'm, I'm hoping she will join us. So please tune in next time to Pursuing Justice on Society Bites Radio, and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to my podcast today. You have been listening to Pursuing Justice on Society Bites Radio. I'm your host, Harriet.